Bernie Sanders running for president, running all over this country. Uh, Bernie Sanders is, by the polls that seem to give more information, uh, not down by much uh, over Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden, I don't know what the holdup is now. Uh, it seems like he's just taking his time. Reports in the past a uh, couple weeks have said he was having trouble with fundraisers. That might have been why he was waiting to enter the field. Uh, fundraisers were a little, little uh, lukewarm on, on supporting uh, Mr. Joe. And, uh, you know, <laughs> shall I call him Joe Touchy Hands uh, Biden? So Bernie Sanders, uh, while running for president, is again doubling down on Medicare for All, his signature proposal. Uh, he is going to unveil uh, a new Medicare for All bill as uh, as Nancy Pelosi and the corporate Democratic establishment say, let's improve Obamacare. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders plans to introduce his new bill, Medicare, his new Medicare for All bill, Wednesday morning. Uh, so that's tomorrow. A move that will again push health care policy to the front burner of the Democratic presidential primary. The new legislation's big name co-sponsors include four of Sanders' fellow 2020 Democratic contenders, Senator Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, and Kirsten Gillibrand. Oh, boy. All of whom signed, to, signed on to an earlier version put out in 2017. But unveiling his proposal now, Sanders is effectively doubling down on his signature policy idea and betting that his calls to eliminate private medical insurers will be a winning one with Democratic voters, even as the party rallies around Obamacare. But the move could light a match to a simmering debate within the Democratic Party, pitting Sanders against other candidates, including some of the Senate bill's co-sponsors, over the, path, over the best path toward universal coverage. It is a fight Sanders appears to welcome. During the early stages of the 2020 campaign, he has relentlessly attacked private insurers, arguing that their presence is a malign influence on the whole American health care system. Warren, Harris, and Booker have all signaled their willingness to consider compromise plans that allow private insurers a role in any new or revamped system. They're up against moderates like Senator Amy Klobuchar, who has said she is not in favor of Medicare for All, and Senator Michael Bennett, who is planning to enter the race soon. Oh boy, another one. Neither of whom are expected to join their more liberal colleagues. Can I just add, why is Congress Eric, Congressman Eric Stalwell who has fomented and pushed this Russiagate nonsense. And now you got Michael Bennett and you might have former former Virginia governor slash I have my head so far up the Clintons behind Tara McAuliffe, trying not to curse because YouTube demonetizes us. Um, Jen, do I get, do I get uh, demonetized for saying behind? I hope not. Um, why are all these people running? I mean, they, oh, and um, what's his name? Oh, Tim Ryan, I had it. Uh, what are all these people running for? I mean, vanity, their ego, they have no shot. And I don't mean to be like one of these elitists who say you have no shot. And then they have a meteoric rise. I mean, are they running for vice president? Are they running for labor secretary, dog catcher, you know, to get a CNN deal once they retire? I don't understand. Like, if you have no pathway, sit down. I mean, I could understand why Tulsi Gabbard, for example, is running. She probably knows it's a very, 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 uh, you know, far stretch for her to win the Democratic nomination. But she's trying to get critical issues into the mainstream. She's trying to get on that debate stage, which honestly, as soon as today, she might announce that she has reached those requirements because two or three days ago, she was at 63,000 
donors and you need 65,000. So she's on the brink of, of reaching the amount you need, 65,000 donors, uh, to your campaign to be eligible for uh, the presidential debates, which will be a great thing. Uh, I was happy to interview her a couple uh, now, like two months ago, and I look forward to hopefully interviewing her again. So what I think is interesting about this, you got uh, Bernie Sanders reintroducing the Medicare for All bill. Not so sure uh, if there's tweaks in the bill. I guess we'll find out tomorrow. Um, But already, already you have the establishment saying, attacking Bernie, even though the people are with him. And I found this interesting. Ezra Klein of the the Vox, you know, Vox.com, these elitist wonks who are so smart. They all have wonderful educations. They all live in Washington, D.C. and New York, mostly Washington, D.C. And, you know, they get turned on by policy books and think tank reports and all that. uh, But they really have an aversion to talking to actual human breathing people. Uh, Ezra Klein says, who cares if Bernie Sanders motivates people? Who cares if the will the the majority want this? It ain't going to get passed. Here's his Twitter thread. You can't do Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All plan through the budget reconciliation process. So he's saying he'll get 60 votes to pass it. There's absolutely no way that's happening. And that was in response to Bernie Sanders uh, not actually saying he would try to get rid of the filibuster. Bernie Sanders said, quote, Donald Trump supports the ending of the filibuster, so you should be a little bit nervous if Donald Trump supports it. Says his ambitious agenda could get through with the current legislative rules. We'll get back to that. Another surprising quote from Sanders, Ezra Klein says, quote, I don't think you could just simply shove everything through. There's an argument for that, by the way, but that's not where I'm at right now. Majority vote is shoving everything through, Mr. Klein asks. He says, you can't be a policy radical and a Senate institutionalist right now. Either you keep the Senate rules as they are and accept that very little can pass, or you change the Senate rules to permit a more ambitious agenda. You can't have it both ways. If you take Sanders at his word, he's saying he could get the kind of bipartisan support for his agenda that Obama couldn't, which I don't actually think he believes. So what is his actual plan for passing his agenda? And then they go to, uh, you know, one of these Vox pieces on why Medicare for all will never, ever, ever, ever come to pass. Uh, I'm not going to, I don't want to hurt, you know, hurt your IQ or, uh, you know, health by reading that, so I won't bother. So I actually agree with him on one thing, but I disagree with him on most of it. But before that, I want to reference this clip where Bernie was on with Chris Hardball Matthews uh, from 2016. And I think Bernie Sanders, I mean, they don't really talk in depth about the filibuster, but I think what he's talking about here is my answer to Ezra Klein and the corporate Democratic establishment who are pretending that their real concern is, well, this will never get through, when in reality their real concern is they don't want Medicare for all, period. They don't want every breathing human person to have guaranteed health care. So they come out with these policy-oriented or is it's too, or cost concerns or this, when the real thing is it's none of those things. They don't want it because their donors won't allow it. And when I say they're donors, that applies to media too. Media companies are owned by plutocrats. Media companies are owned by multi-billion dollar conglomerates, and they don't want it either. 
So here we go. Let's see you get elected. You take office next January 20th, and you walk up to the Senate, and you, and you meet with the leadership and say, I have a program here. I want to have free, I mean, government-funded tuition for public universities. There are things I went on on Social Security to increase benefits. There's things I went on on health care so it could become like Medicare for life. You've got right. very strong positions. Right. And, and Mitch McConnell looks at you the way he looked at President Obama and says, forget about it. And then you know what I say? I say, hey, Mitch, take a look out the window. There are a million young people out there who don't want to be in debt for half their life for the crime of going to college. And if you want to antagonize those million people and lose your job, Mitch, if you don't want to lose your job, you better start listening to what we have to say. That's the point. That's how yeah. change takes place. Well, how do you how do you squeeze a guy like him? It's not him. Mitch is, I know All Mitch McConnell. All the Republicans. How do you squeeze him? 60 senators. All you right. need 60 senators All to right. get let a court. Let me you tell need you. 60. Let me tell you this. Absolutely, positively, 100%. If we rally young people in this country to say, you know what? Germany, Scandinavia, other countries, they have free tuition in public colleges and universities. I have been all over this country because I've talked to kids 30, 40, 50,000, $100,000 in debt paying a huge percentage yeah. of their income, okay? Young people stand up and say, we are sick and tired of it. Yeah. We don't want to go in debt for our whole lives because we got a college education. You know what? We'll win that fight immediately. But the trick is not to appeal to Mitch McConnell. Right. It's to say, Mitch, take a look at your emails coming okay. into your What office. evidence do you have that this has worked for you? Have you, have you increased the turnout in these elections? You've We've been done, in, look. Have you, no, have you, have you, as a senator, been able to get 60 votes of senators for anything? Have you ever been able to do this? That's Chris Hardball Matthews, who, you know, loves himself corporate Democrats, loves himself the establishment, loves himself all things faux progressive. So what I think Bernie, let's, let's take what Ezra Klein said and uh, then think about what Chris Matthews said. Let's imagine for a second, for you younger people watching, for older people watching, for people internationally watching, all of you, let's just imagine for a second. Let's imagine that Bernie Sanders becomes president of this here United Corporations of America. Let it sink in. Okay? Do you think that the Democratic Party in the House and the Senate, do you think that even the Republicans who just lost to, uh, seven, at the time, it will be a 78, 79-year-old socialist from Vermont, do you think they will have a choice whether they can shift radically toward, for the Republicans, it would be radically towards the center, because right now they're not even on the right. They're, on, they're off the grid to the right. They're not even on the normal, like, whatever the right, wing liberal Republican used to be. It, it doesn't exist anymore. They're all the way like to the right of Tilla the Hun. The Democrats, do you think they're going to have the option to stay where they are, which is basically on the right? So where I just said the Republicans are off the grid, the Democrats are where like liberal Republicans used to be. Do you think that either will have the option if Bernie Sanders has become president? to stay where they are and also stay in office? Because if Bernie Sanders becomes president, that would signify there has been a monumental shift in the electorate. If Bernie Sanders becomes president, don't expect it to be, uh, you know, don't expect him to win by like 500 votes. If he becomes president, it's because there was a huge, huge 
monumental movement. There was huge, huge voter turnout, particularly among young people. And I'm not signaling out the older viewers, as I always say. I know there's a lot of older viewers and progressives that like Bernie. But if Bernie Sanders is going to win, he's going to have to have an unprecedented turnout among millennials and young people, especially young people that are black, Latino, indigenous, LGBT, you name it. So if Bernie Sanders becomes president, these people that are, they're not, the truth is the corporate democratic establishment and even these Republicans, power comes before ideology. Their purity is staying in power. Their purity is the status. Their purity is the money. So they want to remain in office. It's the same thing with someone like Rupert Murdoch. People who know Rupert Murdoch very well and people who have reported on Murdoch said, if Rupert Murdoch, if you could convince Rupert Murdoch tomorrow that he would become even richer and Fox News would become even more successful if they shifted it to become like a socialist progressive network, he'd do it in a heartbeat because he's about money and power and status. So it's the same thing for politicians. There's very few politicians that are actually pure and actually believe what they say. Uh, and, you know, I truly think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the Bernie Sanders would rather be in, be in office a shorter amount of time if it means fighting for what counts. So I think Ezra Klein and these people in the clouds that, oh, you'll never get 60 votes uh, for a Medicare for all if Bernie was president, this and that, are basically assuming that it would be the same political structure, the same motivations, the same dynamic and the same uh, consequences for the Democratic establishment and Republicans, whereas they're just going to do what they did, what they're doing now, and have the same opposition that they're having now, only double because it's Bernie Sanders as president. I think it's the opposite. If Bernie Sanders is president, you, you, they talk about the Obama coalition. Well, if Bernie Sanders becomes president, you better believe that there has been a major demographic and electorate and shift in the electorate. That same shift will be coming figuratively guns a-blazing for the midterms. Uh, after, you know, Bernie Sanders' first midterms as president. Uh, governor's races, local races, you name it. So these people are either going to do what Bernie Sanders is talking about and look outside their window and smell the political winds have radically changed and pretend to be progressives now and, and start voting for things that will help actual people or they're going to be bounced from office. That's the truth. So I think it's pretty, uh, I, I don't expect anything, I don't think any, I don't expect anything radically different from someone like Ezra Klein and these naysayers to say, oh, it'll never pass. Bernie Sanders, it's a pipe dream because they're not in tune with the electorate. They're paid not to be in tune with the electorate. They're actually paid not to actually go out and talk to anyone. So that's the truth. But where I disagree with Bernie I say get, the, get rid of the filibuster. Get rid of it. It should not exist, frankly. If it were up to me, we'd have a parliamentary system because at the end of the day, we are not representing the will of, peop will of the people right now with this filibuster rule. It is a rule that allows obstruction endlessly. Republicans obviously have used it. I mean, they, whether I like Obama or not, they stymied most of what he tried to do. And Democrats, some occasionally use it, not as much. But the bottom line is, if the will of the people have voted for President Sanders 
or even President Donald Trump, that is. Yes, through elections, you can try and change people's minds and get them out of office. But until then, the presidents should have a right. Presidents should have a right. And the Congress that is supposed to execute your party's wishes, so if it is Bernie Sanders, the Democratic Party should be trying to execute the president's vision and policies. That's how American politics is supposed to work. The other party should not be endlessly allowed to obstruct. And you know, the filibuster, there's been studies on this, has the, the overuse of it has disproportionately hurt black people and minorities because a lot of legislation stopped by use of the filibuster has been, um, you, it, it has been implemented by uh, the Republicans to stop legislation that would help black people and minorities and, and poor people. I still think there should be the ability for senators to stand up as long as they want. If you want to, you know, maybe it wouldn't be called the filibuster, but if you want to go on for 10 hours to delay, uh, to delay a vote or whatever to make your point, I think that's a good thing. That's the point of having uh, the floor on the House or the Senate. But I disagree with Bernie. I think the filibuster is not a democratic thing. Uh, and I think we should have more of a parliamentary system. It doesn't mean that there can't be debate. It doesn't mean that if it's Bernie Sanders as president, Republicans can't vociferously debate against whatever policy he's trying to do and vice versa. But there shouldn't be these means that basically just make the in, – in essence, what the filibuster does is make the minority party effectively the majority party. It, it, it gives the – it tilts the playing field to allow the minority to have more power and leverage than the majority and the elected president. That's not de- democratic, period. Oh, oh, Nancy. Oh, Nancy. Oh, Nancy. Speaker Pelosi. And, and this is why I had a big problem, frankly, with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She did like a, a, a magazine cover. I could be wrong. I think it was Rolling Stone, but it might have been Vogue or... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez did a magazine cover with Nancy Pelosi, I think Ilhan Omar, but I'm not sure. People correct me. It was, I remember seeing Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez next to Nancy Pelosi and two other uh, freshmen, congressmen, um, recently. And, you know, obviously Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I, I like her, uh, but I think she was a little quick to endorse Nancy Pelosi for speaker. I'm sure she had people around her telling her, you know, do this, play ball with her, and she might give you some things. But as I said from there, you know, this is naive because Nancy Pelosi ain't going to give Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the progressive movement anything, anything. And here she's basically mocking Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and others as she's done several times publicly. Nancy Pelosi didn't, didn't get to where she is without learning how to troll with the best of them. And in an interview with USA Today released Monday, the Speaker of the House again turns her gaze to the most famous, infamous freshman House member in recent memory, New York's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Asked about the difficulties of governing a caucus in the House that is being challenged at every turn by AOC and others like her, liberals elected in the past few cycles are deeply skeptical of the party establishment. Pelosi said this, While there are people who have a large number of Twitter followers, what's more important is that we have large numbers of votes on the floor of the House. Oh, God. Oh, God. 
Pelosi didn't mention AOC by name, but you'd have to be a real dummy to not understand who she was talking about. Casio Cortez has 3.9 million Twitter followers. Nancy Pelosi is, and this is not because she's a woman. I'm saying this because it's true. Nancy Pelosi is one of the most smug, arrogant, out-of-touch, corrupt frauds in American politics today. And I think what she doesn't get, you know, mocking like, oh, some of us have Twitter followers and some of us have the votes. Well, Twitter following, Twitter followers isn't like, you know, just nothing. The will of the people comes in many forms, Speaker Pelosi. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez not only had the will of the people in her district, and by the way, I would expect Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to win re-election and win re-election and win re-election with an insanely majority of the vote. Now that her district is actually having someone that represents them and not Joe Crowley, who shockingly became a corporate lobbyist five minutes after losing to her, uh, they're going to come out and support Alexandria Cortez. But when she mocks Ocasio-Cortez having four million Twitter followers, well, that is a sign not only of somebody who's just popular, that's a sign of somebody who has a growing, growing, growing will of the people. So when you smugly and arrogantly say, you might have Twitter followers, but I have the votes. What you're really saying is, it don't really matter what the people want. I know how to whip votes for things that my donors will like. And Nancy Pelosi has really never come out with a credible reason why Medicare for all should not be what they are pushing. Because there are, there are reports after reports after reports. Hell, even the Koch brothers, even the Koch brothers said it was a cost-saving plan. And that was a Koch brothers-funded thing. So Nancy Pelosi basically just says, well, you know, you might have the Twitter followers, but I have the gavel. Can you, can you, think, can you think of a more out-of-touch, misreading the political moment in this country kind of statement than that? And she's clueless, she's utterly clueless. And she, she thinks that because the Democrats won back the House, that means, oh, that Bernie thing, that was just a fluke. You see, everybody, they just want middle-of-the-road incremental changes. No, as I've said over and over, neoliberalism did not win the day in the midterms. It was Trump and his increasing unpopularity lost. And I think because you had a record number of women candidates running, many of them who are way more progressive than Speaker Pelosi. But, you know, it's not only that she's mocking uh, people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I mean, she's basically ready to go to war with progressives on the budget. House Democratic leaders may be forced to yank a key budget measure from the floor this week amid mounting problems with the left and center. According to lawmakers and aides, leaders of the Congressional Progressive Caucus say they are ready to deploy the full weight of their 90-member group to reject the legislation, which they say favors the Pentagon over domestic programs. Meanwhile, numbers of the moderate 
excuse me, meanwhile, members of the moderate Dem- Blue Democratic Coalition have their own problems with the bill, which they say is far too expensive. Facing sharp pushback from both corners of the caucus, House Democratic leaders are considering pulling the plug on the bill to set federal spending limits. They'll need to decide within hours, likely at a leadership meeting Tuesday evening, whether to risk an embarrassing defeat just ahead of the party's annual retreat and its 100-day mark in the majority. The showdown between progressives and fiscal hawks should be the first major policy clash of the new majority, forcing Democrat leaders to decide which flank of their party to squeeze for votes to carry the bill across the line. Senior Democratic aides were insistent they could secure the votes if they need, but Speaker Nancy Pelosi and House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer have so far refrained from twisting arms. Quote, there are all kinds of things we have not asked for because given divided government, it's going to be very difficult. This is not a hard ask, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, co-chair of this um, Congressional Progressive Caucus, said of the group's push to increase domestic spending. Quote, we've got to have something here if we're expected to try to vote for a defense number that is so ridiculously high, while at the same time, we have the kind of inequality that we have in the country, Jayapal said. Democrats left a closed-door Tuesday, mor- Tuesday morning with doubts that the bill, which is the, le- which is the launch point for this year's battle over budget caps, could pass Wednesday when it's slated to hit the floor. Quote, any caucus could bring down any bill, and we have to figure out whether we're going to be able to govern or not. And this is the first test of it. House Budget Committee Chairman John Yarmouth told reporters, quote, I think it's going to be harmful if we're unable to do this. It minimizes our leverage in negotiations with Senate and the White House. Uh, I think it would be harmful if what the Democrats currently want to do, which is increase the defense budget, this immoral, insane it's at $715 billion now. Trump wants to go to $750 billion. The Democrats' counter is going to be like $730 million. Excuse me. Million. Billion. $730 billion is the Democrats' counter. Meanwhile, half the country living paycheck to paycheck... Majority of the country can't afford a $400 emergency. As I've seen and we've shown you, homelessness is rampant around this country. There's an affordable housing crisis in this country. You have Jeff Bezos, Amazon, the Waltons, Bill Gates, and the rest of the elite aristocracy just continuing to, to rob us blind. And the Democratic Party's fiscal hawks, yeah, you're so hawkish, just you know, giving blank checks endlessly to war. By the way, I'm watching JFK's, JFK, Oliver Stone's version uh, right now. And I'm a hypocrite because I'm watching it on Amazon Prime. I'm fully, fully able to call myself a hypocrite when I'm being one. So I am watching it on Amazon Prime. That's the only place I could have fi- I found it. So, yeah. So I don't want to hear that these Democrats, oh, it's, a, it's, it's the progressives, and, and, and these, you know, insane spenders versus the fiscal hawks, these aren't fiscal hawks. They're, they're fiscal hawks when it comes to things that will help the people they're voted to represent. When it's things that their donors like and their donors want, oh, we could spend on that. We could spend on that. This is all a ruse. It's all a heist. And Nancy Pelosi, you know, in one breath... Oh, we're progressive. We're fighting for health care. 
AKA we're fighting for a Republican healthcare plan that really, really, you know, fluffs the insurance company's pillows, but still keeps people either underinsured or they can't use it or bankrupted by the code copays, deductibles, this and that. Yeah. But where are the fiscal hawks? And I think people are starting to wise up to this. And, and you know, I was just me and Jimmy and others were just really hit over the head. Uh, by, uh, you know, the Nancy Pelosi and the Hillbots in 2016. You know, you, you and your purity test, you, you guys who, uh, you know, if, if Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, if they don't do exactly what you want, you know, you take your bowl and go home. Well, I think we're being proven right. Because even as, even as the country is telling Nancy Pelosi it is more progressive, the country is telling Nancy Pelosi, not just Democrats, but Republicans. A lot of these issues, Republicans want Medicare for all. It's Republicans want an increase in the minimum wage. Republicans want increasing of taxes on the wealthy. So let's stop pretending Nancy Pelosi is a Democrat. She's not a, by, by an old school FDR uh, measurement, a Democrat. She's a Republican. She might be a socially conscious Republican, but she's still a Republican. And this is the problem. You cannot defeat extreme conservatism with country club Republicanism. You can't do it. So yes, the Steve Kings of the world and the Ted Cruz's of the world and the Donald Trump's of the world and the you know, Mike Pence's of the world are what we as progressives want to defeat. But how do you do that if you're doing it like with, with a nicer dress version of that? So I hope this progressive caucus does not give an inch to Nancy Pelosi. They should not, they should be demanding that that defense budget not increases, but decreases. And they need to stop accepting the narrative and the terms of the, of the discussion that that means, you know, you're um, unpatriotic or you're putting the country at risk. We're, we've already put the country at risk by making our priorities to grease the wheels of, of the generals and the war hawks that, you know, never, ever have to, uh, you know, shrink their budgets. Hell, they can't even put, pass an audit, and they're not forced to pass an audit. The audit of the Pentagon was a joke. And I encourage you to read Matt Taibbi on Rolling Stone about that. It was a complete joke. They failed, and there's, they will never pass as currently constituted. And every other department needs to pass an audit but the Pentagon. And this is why Tulsi, can Tulsi Gabbard's candidacy is super important. That's why. She, we need to change the discussion. And I think Bernie Sanders has been changing the discussion in terms of uh, health care as a human right. And that's getting more into the mainstream. That health care is not a luxury. It's something that everybody should have as a right. Well, we need to start moving into the discussion and the narrative that is in, it, is, is, it is endangering our national security and our national health with this mentality that we just have to give endlessly to the military. We could be safe as a country and have far more military spending than any other country, than the next 10 countries combined, if we have like a, I don't know, $300 billion dollar military budget. 
maybe even less than that. It's, it's preposterous. And if you speak with like veterans who will tell you the truth, they know it's preposterous. But the military budget is not for protection for us. It's for protection for Raytheon, Boeing, Lockheed Martin, and Northam Northam Grunthrop. Water in New Jersey. Once Ty uh, moves out to New York, we're going to be covering this uh, since I would love a cameraman to go there, not far from me. It's a problem that doesn't discriminate. It's been detected all across the state in rural, suburban, and urban areas. And now more than 1.4 million people across the Garden State are getting their drinking water from systems that are dealing with high levels of lead. At least 35 water systems in New Jersey have recently been found to have high lead levels at the tap. New Jersey Advanced Media found after a review of violations issued by the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection between January 1st and January 31st, so excuse me, January 1st, 2018 and January 31st, 2019, the affected water systems vary greatly by size, ranging from major systems that serve hundreds of thousands of people in multiple towns to tiny systems that service just dozens of people in a single business. Here at New Jersey, water systems with lead level violations between January and January 19. Here you got 18.4 parts per billion, population served, 792,713. Wow. Population served, 792,713. Areas served, Alpine, Bergenfield, Bogata, Caristad, Cliffside Park, Cloister, Creskill, Damaris, Dumont, East Rutherford, Edgewater, Emerson, Englewood, Englewood Cliffs, Fairview, Fort Lee, Gutenberg, Hackensack, Harrington Park, Harrisbrook Heights. Har- Has- uh, I can't read the rest of these. We'll put the link in the chat. And this is system name, Suez Water, New Jersey, Hackensack. Lead level of most recent violation, 18.4 parts per billion, 15 parts per billion. 15 parts per billion is the EPA's action level. And by the way, that's not even a health level. 15 parts per billion is a level for corrosion control. It's not a public health level. The CDC says the level of acceptable lead in drinking water, zero, especially for children. Zero for children, but it's zero for everyone, period. Then you have Newark Water Department, lead level of most recent violation, 47.9 parts per billion. Population served, 290,139. Area served, Newark. 47.9, significantly bigger than 15, significantly higher than 15 parts per billion. What is being done to deal with the lead? Newark is working on 75 million eight-year project to replace lead service lines. Eight years. City is also installing new corrosion control treatment of the water. Corrosion control treatment for the water if you already have lead leaching out, there's no guarantee that you're going to recoat the pipes. That's the point. For corrosion control treatment, uh, it's to make sure that lead doesn't leach into the water. But there's no 100% guarantee if it's old pipes that are already leaching lead. There's no guarantee that new corrosion control will do the trick. Uh, here's another one. Lead level of most recent violation, 17.1 parts per billion. This is at the Trenton Waterworks, serving 225,000 people. What's being done to deal with the lead? 
they're rolling out a 15 million lead service line replacement project, according to a spokesman aimed at replacing lines serving 2,600 homes in the system. New corrosion control and water testing equipment is also being installed. And Bloomfield Water Department, 32 parts per billion was the most recent. The high lead levels are a problem, especially for children. Lead exposure is known to affect behavior and intelligence in developing babies, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. There are no safe lead levels, but the federal drinking water standard for the metal is 15 parts per billion. <coughs> These water systems were issued violations because they had lead levels higher than that standard. Standard. When a water system is found to have high lead levels, a number of steps must be taken to bring the system back into compliance with state regulations according to a New Jersey spokesperson. Those steps include increasing water monitoring and improvements to water treatments in the systems. Han just said it may take several years for a water system to return to compliance. Several years that children and adults might be drinking lead-contaminated water. So this is New Jersey. Suez, a private water utility that operates water systems across New Jersey, ended up with a lead problem in the Hackensack system due to problematic corrosion control treatment at at its Holworth water plant. By the way, that's what happened in Flint. They weren't using corrosion control when they switched to the Flint River, which was known to be a highly polluted water source. They weren't using it at all, which is illegal. By law, water systems have to use water corrosion control. Problematic corrosion control treatment makes it more likely that the water will erode lead pipes and send the toxic metal out of the tap. Residents and businesses in the areas served could be affected if there are lead pipes leading, uh, leading to their properties. Last week, Suez announced, Suez announced that it would spend $15 million this year to replace 50,000 feet of lead pipes in its Hackensack system. Customers served by utility-owned service lines and goosenecks in the Hackensack system can have Suez test their water for free. Well, who's giving these people free bottled water? That's what I want to know. Three other Suez systems, the Vernon Valley and Lake Glenwood, Glenwood systems that serve parts of Vernon Township in Sussex County and the old Milford estates serving System, system serving part of West Milford in Passaic County all receive violations for higher lead levels. The Lake Glenwood, Glenwood and Old Milford Estates systems were both acquired by Suez in December and their lead problems predate the utility's ownership, according to Suez. Quote, these are our first experiences in New Jersey with this issue. The Vassal said, of the lead problems. It's our goal to work aggressively to bring these systems into compliance as quickly as possible. Other large systems that provide drinking water to multiple municipalities made up a major chunk of the affected population. Places like Newark, Trenton, and Bordentown have long-running lead problems, and each is taking steps towards the solution. As I say in Flint, as I say in other places, don't matter if you live in New Jersey, folks, the lead crisis, especially in the water, is everywhere. This ain't me, it's not me fear-mongering. I see it wherever I go. If you just Google lead water, lead and water, if you do it every day, you'll find a new place that there's lead contamination. The media doesn't cover it. The politicians don't really talk about it. I mean, I've heard Bernie Sanders talk about it here and there. I've heard Tulsi Gabbard talk about it here and there. But I don't see anyone treating this as, as an urgent crisis. And, and, and by the way, Cory Booker is a senator from New Jersey. You hear him talking about this? 
I mean, I just read you multiple water systems in New Jersey that serve hundreds of thousands of people each. So you're talking millions of residents have high lead levels. Why isn't this an emergency? I don't hear anybody talking about this. And whether Tide's here or not, I'm going to have to go down there myself. I'll just, you know, figure out a way to do it myself and, and interview people because this is out of control. And by the way, New Jersey is one of the most expensive places to live in the country. It's got, extre- it's got high property taxes and other taxes. And for that, they're drinking high, they're drinking lead. And this is not to mention, by the way, why is it, you know, they talk like, oh, yeah, we have time. So, you know, eight years, we're working on our plan to replace service lines in eight years. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if there were problematic service lines or pipes underneath, I don't know, uh, in the Clintons town where they live or, or where President Obama lives or where George W. Bush lives? or where the CEO of ExxonMobil lives, or where you know defense contractors live, those pipes would be changed in eight days. But one of these plans to fix it, eight years. This is why status quo exists for stories like this, because this is an emergency. Children, it's not like are potentially drinking lead. They're drinking lead in Newark, Hackensack, and other areas of New Jersey. And by the way, Suez is a private, private water company. And I could do a three-hour live stream on them because they are extremely predatory. Just here, lead and water. Want Suez to replace your home's lead water line? It may cost you $1,000 and higher rates. While Suez is set to begin a $15 million project to replace its company-owned lead pipes next week, beginning in Hackensack, the water company will not touch lead lines on private property, a responsibility that generally falls with homeowners. That could soon change. Suez is seeking state approval to charge customers $1,000 if they allow the company to remove their residential lead lines as part of a two-year pilot program, according to a company filing with the Board of Public Utilities. The $1,000 is considered a discounted price for a project that, if handled by private contractors hired by homeowners, would cost them an estimated $3,000 to $8,000, according to the company. Suez would make up the difference in price with a rate hike on all of its customers in its Bergen and Hudson County market. Oh, so you're giving us a discount, but increasing our rates. Okay. Not every customer can afford to do this on their own, so that's why we hope to offer this program, said a Suez spokesperson. We would pass this along to all rate payers because it's an important public health issue. Suez is offering it to anyone in their service area who has a lead service line, but the work has to be done in conjunction with Suez's work in removing their own lead service lines. They are targeting 16 towns this year to do that work. The $1,000 could be paid off in one lump sum or over a year via a customer's utility bill, according to the filing. Well, first of all, one of the problems with this discussion, number one, it's not a sexy discussion, so they're not talking about it on CNN, MSNBC, in the New York Times, or anywhere really. It's not just lead service lines that are the problem. So service lines are, are the lines that come from the curb, 
of your of your home where you live, the curb, to that to the valve that gets that, to the valve, uh, at you know in your house, uh, and then the, you have your interior plumbing that goes to uh, your sink or your sinks. So the service lines, yeah, they could be replacing those, but what if you have corroded corrosion on your interior plumbing? That's the homeowner's responsibility. Why is it the homeowner's responsibility? You didn't go in and corrode those pipes. Are you supposed to change your interior plumbing when most people cannot afford a $400 emergency in this country? Are you supposed to pay thousands of dollars to replace your interior plumbing when most people are living paycheck to paycheck? Suez talks like $1,000 to replace your uh, uh, service lines is somehow like affordable. That's not affordable for most people who are just barely making it. Can you, if you watching right now, if you got the discount to pay $1,000 to replace your service lines in your home, whether you're in New Jersey or anywhere else, is that something you're going to be able to jump on right now? Exactly. But this is, this is the problem. Because, by the way, what you're going to see in our documentary, The Flushing Flint, which comes out April 23rd. I'm going to keep repeating it. Become a Status Quo member, statusquo.com slash join to get it before April 23rd and to get it free. Uh, it's going to be free and uh, early release for Flint residents too. What you're going to see is you got state environmental agencies either asleep at the switch or intentionally manipulating the data so they don't have to do anything. So they don't have to change the pipes. So they don't have to uh, do further testing. So they don't have to actually spend money towards keeping their residents safe. You also have the EPA looking the other way, which the EPA is currently looking the other way on what we found. So this is a major crisis in the United Corporations of America. It is a disgrace that it doesn't get more media coverage. When it does get media coverage, it's essentially media outlets like the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, just uncritically regurgitating what state agencies and what the EPA tell them. But a lot of these agencies rig the testing to get lower numbers, intentionally endangering children's lives. And but traditionally, this was done more in poorer communities, black, brown, indigenous. But now the problem's coming where you live. If you're white, if you're middle class, unfortunately, pipes, he, pipes don't really have a, a color they prefer. So yeah, in wealthier neighborhoods, there's probably newer homes with fresher uh, infrastructure that's newer. But even in old middle class, still middle class, whatever's left of it, uh, even in middle class uh, homes, some of your homes are you know, 40, 50 years old. In Flint, there's homes that are 80, 90 years old. That plumbing, that the water's coming through, God knows what it's leaching beyond lead. And if you followed my Flint reporting, if you follow Aaron Brockovich, if you follow other water experts, it's not just lead. You got bacteria issues, uh, PFAS, which is a cancer-causing chemical uh, that that comes about during the manufacturing of Teflon. You now have uh, problems with chromium, uh, arsenic. I mean, I could go on and on. You also have lead in the ground soil where, uh, in a lot of communities, East Chicago, Flint, and other places.